0: Because the donkey's wandering around, and Saul is following the, the path of the donkeys until God's providence gets him to meet Samuel. If God can use donkeys to get you where he wants you to go, let's just trust him, he's guiding hand. Having got Saul to where he needed to be, God's assurance, Samuel was able to prophesy and direct, anoint, equip... God's equipping, the Holy Spirit coming on him. Saul began to prophesy, he'd seen things, and then finally we ended it last week where the whole story wasn't being revealed. And we don't know why. Was am I supposed to preach with this beautiful child looking at me? At least he's not at least he's not blowing raspberries just yet. We ended the story last week, where actually Saul is asked by his uncle what did Samuel say and Saul's still working it out he hasn't quite grasped it so he says it's just about the donkeys he doesn't tell him the whole truth so why do we go do a recap why do we actually look at what the word of God says well I found a passage in the New Testament and it and it's a good passage to put this next passage in perspective can we put the Corinthian passage up for me please and I'll read it. I'm not going to talk much about it. But this is just why you have your Bible. Why we have the Old Testament in particular. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolatrous as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. And we should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Does anyone know where the passages were coming from? What's the story behind what Paul is writing to the church? You should know this. Really, you should be able to trot it out to me. No, you've been coming to church for years and you've never read that part in the Bible. It's in the wilderness. God is taking the nation through the wilderness. They've been been to the promised land. They've turned back. And God is feeding them and protecting them. Manna from heaven. And still they're not getting the picture. Still they want to go back into Egypt. Still they want to be slaves. So God starts to discipline them. That really happened, that really did happen, and it happened, God allowed it to happen, so that you and I, maybe three and a half thousand years after that event, or those events, you and I can learn the lessons. Why mess up? It's interesting because actually when we start looking, if we put the Samuel passage up, He immediately begins by reminding the people of their history. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah. Remember, the place of sacrifice. And he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Israel, up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. He's beginning the coronation service by reminding the nation of its history. That's why I say, go back to your roots. Go back to the place where you first met Christ. Some of you had some amazing times then. It's not, not to live in the past, I'm not saying that. But use it as a memorial stone and say, Do you know what? This much I know. When we forget our history, we mess up our future. Let that one go in your head. In your head. When we forget our history, we are in danger of messing up our future. All of us. And I put myself right there. Israel could never escape Egypt. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, Egypt is is the sin. They're under bondage. They cannot help themselves. They needed God to save them. And He did. And He saved you if you're a believer. Look, let's lighten the atmosphere. Smile. Look, I'm not having to not beat the sheep, I don't do that. Celebrate. We've been rescued, redeemed. But you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters. Remember he said to them, look, you don't need a king. But we want a king. And in rejecting Samuel, they were rejecting God. And replacing the the type of rule that they had, a theocracy. And you have said, no, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and your clans. Saul, King Saul, has been anointed... Samuel has told him what's going to happen. Now he's going to declare it to the, to the rest of the, the, the nations. And the nations, the nation of Israel, understands that when Samuel is speaking, he's speaking on behalf of God. So what Samuel is going to show them is that Saul is their chosen king. Does that mean Saul will get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Move it on. Thank you. When Samuel had made all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot... To establish God's will, they would throw lots. A bit like throwing a dice. You know, God can be in even the most stupidest things that we would look at. Don't do this at home, right? Let me just clarify. But in that day, this was how they determined God's will. Not throwing a six or a you know, double. They had two things that they threw on the ground, and they both lined up, and that was God's will. They do it by, is this is this tribe the one, Lord? Throw the thing? No. Is this tribe the one Lord? Throw the things? No. Until eventually, God's will is revealed. The tribe of Benjamin come forward. They know now that the king will come from that tribe. Move on. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. And Matri's clan was taken. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they look for him, he's not to be found. This is their king. And he's not there. Where do you think he is? Anyone want to has? A, has anyone read ahead? He's hiding. Hiding in the Bible. Hiding in the Bible is common. Who else hid? Jonah, Jonah hid. Thank you. David did. Adam is, is the one I'm going to going to introduce right from the very beginning. But great that some of you know that. Adam was hiding in Genesis chapter three. And God's walking in the garden, and he shouts out, Adam, where are you? Does that mean God doesn't know where he is? Who's lost? Adam. Adam's hiding behind a tree, thinking you can hide from God. You can't hide from God. There is nothing ever that we do that God doesn't see. I once heard a Christian say, God can't look at sin. Just hold the mental picture in your in your head now. Does God wander around like this then? He has to look at sin. He doesn't condone it. Adam, where are you? I know where you are, but do you know where you are? The question is today, do you know where you are? Do you know exactly where you are? And I don't mean at the beacon, old lane. Do you know where you are? It's no good hiding. Let me just point this out. God is about to tell them where he is. Let's find out where this mighty king is going to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he's hidden himself amongst the supplies. Great hiding place, Saul. But you can't hide from God. Why do we try? Why on earth would we hide from God? It's because you have a wrong concept. If, you, if you're hiding, it's because you have a wrong concept from, about what God is. Or who he is. The, the commentators tell us this. These are military supplies. Some of it, the, the Bibles use the word baggage. It doesn't mean like a load of suitcases. Obviously not. But they would be there, the military supplies. And Saul is hidden there. He should have been at the front. Not being big-headed. But he should have been walking in the calling that God has given him. And there's another lesson there. What about the calling that God has put on all our lives? Are you walking in the calling that God has given you? Or are you hiding? You can work that out yourself. They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. We've had this before. Last week, we find that Saul is handsome. A fireman today, we might say, for some in the room. Do you know, if you look at some of the archaeological uh, statues of kings, they're always big, they're always seen to be very athletic. Israel had asked, we want to be like all the other nations, so the, God that, sorry, the, the king that God has given them is exactly like all the other nations. He's not chosen for his heart, he's chosen on an outward appearance. So God says, that's where you want to be. This is the tallest one in Israel. Have this one. And see what happens to you. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? Well, they've chosen him. But God has revealed him to the nation. There's no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. They've got exactly what they requested. There will be another king coming. After this one. And he's one that most people wrote off just by the outward appearance. But he was a man after God's own heart. We'll be meeting King David. Was King David perfect? Did he mess up? (laughs) Yeah. Does that give you hope? That you don't have to be perfect to be used by God? Gives me hope. Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of kingship. If you look in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 17, God knew, hundreds of years ahead of this event, that the people would want a king. And so to make it work, God writes down how a king should behave. He knows, even having written it down if you read Deuteronomy, that actually most of the kings will not follow what he's asked them to do. In fact, to be a king, one of the things you had to do was write the law out. So that you knew what God's requirement was. Whether you followed that as a king, or whether you abused your position, as most of them did, was up to you. But you can't blame God. God has given them what they ask. He wrote them down on the scroll, deposited it before the Lord, and then Samuel dismissed the people to go back to their own homes. That's... King Saul now, recognized by the nation as God's chosen man, and they all got home. It's a picture of the nation not living as how God wanted it to live. When God brought this nation into the promised land, he told them to live close together. Not, not, he separated the whole promised land by the tribes, but they were to defend each other's borders. They were to be one in unity But, of course, over time, that really just sort of disbanded. They remained 12 separate tribes. And because they remained dysfunctional, the outside world, the Philistines, started to attack them and oppress them. And the book of Judges is a story of hundreds of years of where he raises up people to deliver them and unite the tribes. But they never really get the picture. They never really do life God's way. And now they've gone home. But watch what happens. If we move on. Saul also went to his home in G- Gibbeth. Accompanied by valiant men whose heart God had touched. He's staring the nation now. We've got a king. We're going to have an army. We're going to start to defeat some of these oppressors. There's some good people around Saul. But some scoundrels. We don't have any scoundrels in church today, do we? Do we? Do we have scoundrels? Perhaps half a dozen. But some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. But Saul kept silent. Do you know Saul could have had them put to death? There's a a lovely illustration here, if you just listen to the words. How can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. Do you know in the New Testament... The Israelite priests used the same words and the, and the people. They looked at Jesus and they said, look, he's a carpenter. He's from Nazareth. Isn't he Mary and Joseph's son? How can Jesus save us? He's just a carpenter. Do you get the picture? Do you see that? Do you see how the stories in the Old Testament still link to the stories in the New? They despised him. Yeah, they did. They put him to death on a cross. They flogged him. They put a crown of thorns. I thought, I thought the song we just sang with the crown is so poignant. Fancy putting a crown of thorns. Big thorns, not little thorns. Big thorns onto Christ's head. Isn't that a horrible word, word despised? Do you know I've had, it, I've had it said to me once? I despise you. Not horrible what gifts do we bring to Jesus what can we give Jesus but ourselves let's move it on now we get introduced to the Ammonites does anyone know where the Ammonites came from, I know Matt will Ammoniah? No. (laughs) No. Go on, Matt. Do you remember the story? Lot. The tribe of Ammon, Ammonites, came out of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughters. And they go on to be a right pain. Sometimes our sins just roll forward and the consequences of them come back to haunt us. So this one, Nahash, is quite famous in archaeological digs. We know that he was persecuting Israel all the time. He's been on the rampage, and he had a, quite a party piece, as this guy. He would blind you in the right eye. Clever, really, because if, you were, if you're blind in both eyes, you can't work. And if you're not working, you're not paying him tribute. So he blinded you in the right eye, Because when you went to battle, you hid behind a shield and it was your left eye that you hid. And you poked your head out on the right eye. Assuming you're right-handed, which most people are. So he chose the right eye and he would blind the people. So he's quite a reasonable chap. Look what he does. Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to him, make a treaty with us and we will be subject to you. Okay, we can see your big army. We can't defend you. We know your reputation. We know that you've been, what you've been doing to everybody else. So we'll just give in. We won't fight. Instead of calling all the people together, which God would have wanted to do, they're going to surrender. So he comes up with this plan. Nahash the Ammonite replied, I'll make a treaty with you only on the condition that I gouge out the right eye of every one of you and so bring disgrace on all of Israel. That's not very seeker friendly, is it? Can I gouge someone's right eye out as a demonstration? Oh, thank you for nominating your, your good friend. Teeny, you've only been in the room five minutes and you're already causing problems. Hmm. What would you do? Do you, do you lose an eye and keep your life? Hmm. Let's see what they do. The elders of Jabez said to him, Give us seven days so that we can send messengers throughout Israel. If no one comes to rescue us, we'll surrender to you. He's that confident he's going to give them what they asked for. Move on, Graham. When the messengers came to Gibbeth of Saul and reported these terms to the people, they all wept aloud. That's what people do. Oh, there's a massive problem over there. We'll weep about it. But what does Saul do? Let's look at Saul. Just then, good, t- good timing again. Just then, Saul was returning from the fields. He's gone back to work. Behind his oxen... Do you know what? He could have, as, as, as king, he could have insisted on having a palace, tribute being paid to him, but he's not. He's starting off so well. He's doing so well at this point. He's gone back to his day job, if you like, farming, and he asked, what's wrong with everyone? Why is everyone weeping? And they repeated to him what the men of Jabez had said. Now watch what happens. When Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. Ever burned with anger? Ever burned with anger over the right thing? Because there is a difference, isn't there? We can burn with I mean you know we can burn with anger over the wrong thing, but how about letting the passion rise within us for the right thing? Anger's not wrong. You know, I hear some stuff come out sometimes, oh, you can't be angry. Actually, there's some things you've, you need to be angry about. As I've said before, you know, if we, get, if we get someone touching the children wrongly or whatever, smack them in the teeth. You don't need consent, just do it. Get angry. There's some things out there in the world which the world accepts as normal. And some Christians just like float through life be angry. Stand up for God. He took a pair of oxen. It's always the oxen who will get the rough end of the stick. Have you noticed that? He took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, alright, I'm your king, this is what I'm saying you need to do. This is what will be done to the oxen to the of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out together as one. The whole nation got behind a purpose now. Saul is unifying the nation. God's Spirit is on him. Do you know we can achieve so much? You and I can achieve so much. We've got the Spirit of God living within us. Let's stand up. When Saul mustered them at Bezek, the men of Israel numbered 300,000 and those of Judah 30,000. Wow. That's an army. The Ammonites are going to get whooped. They were there all the time, by the way. It needed Saul to do this. It needed the spirit of God to do it. the, The fighting men were there. They just needed to get up. Move it on, Graham. They told the messengers who had come, say to the men of jebesh Gilead, by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. That's good news if you're going to lose an eye, ain't it? You will be rescued. God's into rescuing people. I like that. I like that. I need a rescuing. When the messengers went and reported this to the men of jebesh they were elated. I'll bet they were. They said to the Ammonites, tomorrow we will surrender to you and you can do to us whatever you like. Do you know there's lies in the Bible? Hmm, There's one there. They have no intention of surrendering. Buying time. Move on. The next day Saul separated his men into three divisions and during the last watch of the night they broke into the camp of the Ammonites and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Wow, what a victory God has brought. Fantastic victory. What happens next? The people said to Samuel, Who was it that asked, Shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us so that we can may put them to death. Do you remember when Saul was announced as king? There were two groups. There was the valiant men. And there was those who rejected his, his kingship. And Saul said no. And it's a great example of beginning strongly. Saul said no. No one will be put to death today. For this day look who he's giving glory to. The Lord has rescued us. The Lord. You'll see shortly that Saul loses that. He begins to think it's him. It begins to disobey the Lord and the consequences of his actions begin to impact other people. But on this day, he understands that actually I might be king. I might be the one that unified the nation in that way. But without the Spirit of God, it was nothing. Nothing. Without God's Spirit, we're nothing. We can achieve nothing. All of us. How often do we rush into something without praying? Never? Look at me. Oh some of you some of you are smiling. I do it sometimes. Particularly if you're quite okay with stuff. You think, okay, I'll get on with it. What a challenge to us all. How about beginning every day recognizing God? I know some of you do and some of you don't, but what an opportunity. To say, you know what, Lord, whatever today holds, how about I have for the full measure of your spirit in my life? And who knows what we can achieve? Who knows? And then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go. There's our word again Gilgal. And there renew the kingship. It's not there by accident. I don't choose the text. I preach through the books of the Bible. If you are here today, it's because God wants you here today. Gilgal, the place of recommitment. I'm going to finish with that, but we'll just watch. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul king in the presence of the Lord. And there they sacrificed the fellowship offerings before the Lord. And Saul and all the Israelites held a great celebration. We are supposed to be a people who celebrate. We've got so much to celebrate. Why are we sad? I look, at, I look out at the room. I'm not picking on any, anyone. Have, have we lost the joy inside of us? Is, are some of you feeling beat up because of what the text has said? You know I love you. I, I, I just give you what I think the Bible says. I didn't write it. I don't choose it. He loves you. The stories as I, as, as I began, began in Corinthians, they're there to show us to learn from an example. Do we let the Bible form us? Or is it just information? Is it just a little tick in a box and say, I've been to church today, move on with life. Please don't. I, 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 I'll give you the opportunity. I don't normally do this, look. And I'm not.